Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Still a little, little bit loopy from having been sick. We believe that. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. Not as pumped as Jed, but here. Here's the thing. Jed started doing that sarcastically, and I'm afraid that that's going to slip into the way he really says hello now. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing that happens at the bridge where we greet people and we make it a point. We tell the host team we are engaged and, you know, we're going to greet them. We're going to be excited. And you can tell all three of us have a moment that's very wrong of, I really hope I don't take this positive attitude out of the world. Yeah. Because right. <laughs> that could get dangerous. Well, all right. Ready to go? Yep. Let's do get it. Get right into the list. You got right. the sickness. We don't want to. No, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's, you know what? Let's just focus on Keep the important Keep it short and kind of. Yep. Okay, well, it's the second episode of the, the day. Lisa Wait a second. I declare it right Hey! Well, if you have an emergency. Well, Glenn's feeling means. better. Um, here, that helped to clear out the pipes now. Here's <laughs> what <clears throat> Here's what we're dealing with. We've had a beef with science. Oh, not the Canada beef. Or the robot cyborg beef. This is a different beef. This is a different beef. We've we we've taken on science because science, sure. science thinks it no it thinks it knows everything. Science thinks it's so great. Yeah, and it's like you know what? Maybe not. Yeah. Okay. So we're dealing with that, and we're trying to take science down a few pegs. Exactly right. That's how we've been. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have said, "Well, what did science ever do to you?" Well, I'm going to tell you what they did. A while back, they said, we're going to have a conference, and we're going to decide, is Pluto a planet or not a planet? Okay. And I couldn't even believe what my ears were hearing, Mm -hmm. because Pluto's a planet, period. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't want to hear it. Nine planets, Pluto. Yeah. Boom. That's it. Yes. No discussion. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're just questioning everything. Yeah. Okay. This is just right out. So I got angry. You know, I got, I, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we can't, we can't have it. So this is, they're trying to change everything. On right. Us, and I'm trying to make science great again. <laughs> you're saying okay. you're sticking up for the little guy. Right. The littlest of guys, that being Pluto. Right. Like, if they can do this to Pluto, they can do it to you and me. Exactly right. We're slippery slope. That's it's a slippery slope. First they came for the deep space planetoids, and I said nothing, for I was not a deep space planetoid. <laughs> if you just start revoking people's planetary status, where does it stop, Glenn? That's what right. other things are they going to revoke? That's right. It's it, it. Who knows where this ends in this crazy secular society? <laughs> That's a different <laughs> rant. Okay. That's a different, way less ironic rant that some people go on. Okay. So here's what happened. We got to keep the lines clear sometimes during the emergencies. Now, now this is this is this came in on the internet. Uh, I, I read things on the internet. Home okay. of science. I'll have you know. Yeah. Yet also great enemy of science. So it kind of balances out. Well, here's what happened: is we found a planet in our solar system. Okay. 
Okay, but here's what... Here's Not like what, Mars. Somebody didn't decide to say, well, it was, it's right there, we found it. Yeah, no, you can't say that. Oh, like a new it's one. Already, yeah, oh, okay. if somebody, you know, already seen it, you can't... You right, know, you, you, know, you can't just say, uh, you know. I, I didn't notice that. Not to cut you off, Regan. That's yeah. apparently, you know, because we're uh, we're recording on Sunday, the what is it, twenty second here. So I guess Mars is supposed to be like visible. Really? Sky. Right. Well, I know this because I'm getting out of the jail chapel service today, and I'm we can't take our phones in the jail, obviously, because we might document things that go on there, mm. and they're very against that. <laughs> um, but so I get in the car, and I'm checking, you know, the messages and whatnot. Because I've been away from my phone for a couple of hours, and I open up a Facebook app, and the first thing it says is. It's uh, it's April twenty second. Look up, Mars is there. <laughs> and, like a weird wording, not like you can see Mars, but like it's there. Which, yeah, right. isn't Mars always there? It, it yeah, yeah. But also, in a I way, like, in a way, it's like sneaking up on you today. I also right. don't like messages from Facebook that open with "Look up." Yeah, yeah. Because eventually, that's going to mean something different. Yeah, Wait. it reads like a threat. Look up, Mark's in your attic. Well, you know, and it, <laughs> and it's it's got that red. It's like he's angry. That's true. So it's menacing. Let's keep an eye on that. Yeah, that's true. So, so we got a lot of planets on the watch list. Okay, Let's get th- into this, this is what I'm saying is you you tune into this podcast for the latest in planet news. Well, here's what happened <laughs> is they- I can't wait to hear Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast about Christian dating. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what. Don't get me started on that, dude. Because <laughs> he didn't take a stand. I said, <laughs> Neil, get in it. Yeah. Tell him about Pluto. He didn't get in it. Keep Pluto a planet. Where were you, Neil? Where were you? Where were you? Okay, so that's he's dead to me now. Yeah. Okay, even, but now okay. the latest outrage. The latest outrage. Here's what happened. They found another uh, 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 thing in our solar system now. Okay, now here's what it is. Pluto has a diameter of 1,475 miles, not kilometers no miles because that's how they measure it on pluto well also got to be clear otherwise you end up with a rover that's half in miles and half in kilometers that gets trouble that could never happen okay then but they found a new one that's 955 miles so just slightly smaller Mm. than than pluto and here's the key here's i fixed this whole problem tell me right away we declare the new thing a planet. Uh-huh. Okay. So then Pluto, which is slightly bigger, it's got to be a planet. Makes perfect sense to me. Problem solved. Right. Okay. Now, here's what's even better. Hit me. The, the, the They don't have a name for the new thing yet. Okay. Okay. Right now, it's designated 2007-OR10. Okay. So- It's not catchy. It's not catchy. You can't stick with that. The yeah, branding is pretty bad. So if we name this planet, wow, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we've solved everything. Now, here's what I'm going to propose. Okay. Everybody brace yourself. I'm going to propose that we, on this podcast today, name the planet. All right. Okay. And we, and we got to brainstorm. Right. Come up with something great. Now, I, here's how I'm just going to start. Okay. I want... You, Jed, you and I will begin the okay. process. Okay. okay. Now, I want you to think inside your mind, yes, in your right. mind brain, the most smart person, because you got to name it after like somebody. Sure. Think of the most smart person that you can possibly think of. And in a second, I'm gonna, we're going to count to three, yep. and we'll both 
yep. spontaneously yep. say wow. yep. the first name that just comes to our just just right off the top. Well, there's only one name that could come to mind anyway. Well, let's let's try. It. Okay, okay. Just be spontaneous. Open right, your mind. I'm ready. I'm Open ready. Open your mind. Okay. One, two, three. Beyonce. Beyonce. Okay. Wow. So that's you know. Yeah. Wow. That just felt right, right? It's there. Planet Beyonce. It's done. It's Planet I think, Beyonce. I think it's great. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be very good for the branding. Here's my only reservation. Right. Can the planet afford Beyonce? Because, mm. <laughs> you know, naming rights go quick. Can, right. Is this is this planet made of diamonds? Is it is, What has this planet done to deserve such a name? Well, understand. I'm glad you asked. Here's what it says. This planet has been difficult to find. That is not like Beyonce. No. Uh, because the surface of the planet is incredibly dark red. Okay. Okay. So basically what you're talking about is uh, it's wearing a slanky velvet red dress. Okay. Seems okay. like a bit of a leap, but I'm with you. And, it, and it ha- it's covered with methane ice. So that's like your your spangly rhinestones sure. and dazzles. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's a Beyonce planet. Okay. Right there. Okay. Plus, Beyonce is a genius. That's definitely true. Okay. True. Smartest person on the planet, as far as I know. Totally. Now, here's what else this opens up. Because you got to think, okay, planet Beyonce. Yes. Right? <laughs> uh, because, because undoubtedly there's people on it. One assumes. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, uh, you, you, you got a planet. You, you got some, something's on there. Sure. Creatures, beings, etc. Sure, <laughs> we got to have an ambassador to Planet Beyonce. Okay, okay. Uh, I think essentially, who better than uh, to be our intergalactic uh, uh, diplomatic uh, envoy, envoy to Planet Beyonce than Dolly Parton? Wow, dude, that's, that's a great yeah, idea. I can take that. Business, that's a smart thing. Business genius, yes, but also singer, yes, can relate to yes. Because I don't know if y'all know this, that w- the on Planet Beyonce, women's calling all the shots. Of course, girls okay. run the world. That's what I'm saying. Yep. that's what that's what this is about. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, uh, I think sure we welcome our new feminine overlords. If we can, that's what I'm saying. So if we can, if we can name, we we just declare it. Right. That's Planet Beyonce. Then. Pluto swoops right in there. And right. That's, Just you're saying Pluto is the, is the Kelly Rowland of this in. situation? Yeah. Pluto's going to kind of ride Beyonce's success to its own thing. Yeah. yeah. That's but right. then have a very respectable, if niche, solo career of its own. That's yeah. right. Yep. That's, that's what right. I'm hearing. I so feel... If you got Planet Beyonce in yeah. formation, as it were... Uh-huh. Well played, sir. There you go. Then, then Pluto... It, we're, everybody's on board. It's all fine. We've got Dolly Parton going there to be... Right. To be our ambassador yep. of all the Earthlings to all of the, as you said, and I quote, creatures, beings, etc. Right. That are on planet Beyonce. Then, yep. then what we do is we successfully have made contact and made peace with extraterrestrial, extraterrestrials and told science, you know what? Dial it back. Dial yep. it back. Yeah, we got this. We have got, because let me tell you what. We put Dolly Parton in that rocket ship, uh-huh. blast off, solved, because that's what happens now is we're bonding. Yep. You see what I'm saying with the yep. aliens? Yeah. Bonding. We got it all hooked mm-hmm. up. Okay. So science, you know what? You ain't, you, we don't need you no more. Yeah. Because you know what? <laughs> Maybe we got Beyonce science now. Yeah. 
Okay? They got the better science on Planet Beyond. You know they do. So we're dealing with that science now. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I I love it all. But again, I feel like my role in this podcast is to be the voice of pragmatism. Uh Uh-huh. To kind of not poke holes, but just find weaknesses in the plan where we can can redirect. If Dolly Parton goes to Planet Beyonce, which I think is great, that leaves this world with a Dolly Parton vacuum. That's wow. true. And That's as true. someone who is from a state, a Lee Curry lives a state, that I think subsists about half on do- Dollywood revenue, uh-huh. Dollywood-related revenue, I, this worries me. But right. I've got an idea. I want to see how you guys feel about it. Okay. So we're sending – Dolly Parton's now doing the space stuff. Right. So as you pointed out, we don't need as many people to do the space stuff. Right. I say for the, the time she's away, we put Neil deGrasse Tyson in charge of Dollywood just to see what happens. Yes. Wow. Okay. You know what? You think you're so smart? Let's see you run Dollywood. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. You know, how, you know how much funnel cake to order for the 4th of July weekend, Spark Guy? I bet he does. I don't think so. Just because, you're that astro- math. just because you're an astrophysicist doesn't mean you can handle Dollywood. That's right. Time. That's right. You That's may right. be able to calculate how fast the Thunder Road goes, right. but do you know how many attendants you need? Do you know how much sawdust? Because the middle school group's coming. They right. want to go on Thunder Road. They yep. can't handle Thunder Road. They yeah. can't handle it. But you got to deal with this. I think we we get a fantastic space ambassador, yep. and maybe we humble Neil deGrasse Tyson a little bit. You know what? I think that would be good for him, and maybe make him <laughs> rethink how he stood on that whole Pluto thing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying you have to Photoshop Neil deGrasse Tyson in a Dolly Parton-style <laughs> bedazzled outfit, but if you have the time and the desire... We wouldn't be mad at you. We wouldn't stop you. You know, a lot on this uh, podcast, when we reach kind of a breaking point, we have a way of saying, you know, internet, you're welcome. World, you're welcome. But right. it feels like this time the whole solar system should be grateful. The whole it, galaxy. The whole galaxy. And so, Glenn, I'm going to hand that back to you right. because I think you deserve This is your brainchild. I think you yeah. deserve the honor. So. I declare an intergalactic emergency off. Fantastic. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Um, also. Is it possible that's the plot of the Independence Day sequel? <laughs> very, very. <laughs> it's coming out. I don't know what it's about. Haven't read anything, but there's worse ideas. Sure. Let, me, let me just say this right now. If you say, I, if you just come to me and say there is a movie, Planet Beyonce, are you in? The yes. answer is take my money now. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, you know. Planet Beyonce with a short with a Robert Rodriguez style short film before it, Dolly in Space. Yes, that <laughs> would be the, the greatest thing ever. Yes. Now, at the moment, we don't have the funds for either major motion pictures or interstellar travel. <laughs> but, Clearly, both those things are coming. But sure. what we put all this creative genius into every month is Bridgebox. Mm. That's sermons, songs, Bible studies, lots of good stuff focused around a topic that involves people's real lives. This month's topic is, Jed, I, me- I remember it last episode. You're I'm totally this episode. good. This month's topic is, what does God really think of me? There we go. All about your identity in Christ. You'll hear sermons that Glenn and I preach at our bridge service. You'll hear some music that Jed and Lee both produce, some stuff from our friends Pete and Tasha, some guest devotionals, some Bible studies, a lot of great stuff. And most importantly, all the money you go, which is only eight, only the money you give, which is only $8 a month. We pull that with the other people around the world who subscribe to Bridgebox, and we are able to do great things like hire part-time employees that are products of the ministry to work for our deacons division to help people get to job interviews, to help people get housing stuff. Just last week, I believe Jed and myself and our friend Pete, there was a guy at the bridge who he needed shoes for a job interview. Mm-hmm. He's, got the, he's got the clothes. He's got it all set up. Doesn't have the shoes. So this is me, Pete, and Jed going to Walmart at midnight 
And if you've ever questioned our commitment to anything, a Walmart in the city at midnight, here's the thing, those of you who live in the suburbs, in the city, it's the same Walmart, but they cram everything in half the square footage. Yep. So we're talking about half-size aisles at Walmart at midnight, running through dress shoes. Yep. But we got him to the center. This dude got the job interview. It's all worked out. But we're able to do that kind of stuff because we have cash on hand because of our Bridgebox supporters. So if you want to sign up for that, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. It comes in to our email address. If you hang on this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. It says, in recent months, I've had a couple of very close friends start believing in prosperity gospel movements, and that concerns me greatly because I've had previous experiences with my family getting involved in that. How do I deal with this slash should I be dealing with this? Like all false gospels, it looks to me like the word of faith movement thing seems to have a twisted bit of legit biblical truth behind that. Could you address the theology behind these kind of ideas, please? All the people who I'm dealing with are more well-versed at quoting the Bible than I am, and I don't think out-quoting them would be the right way anyway, but I want to understand what's going on here. Please help. And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, I love what you're saying there at the end, especially where you're saying you don't think that out-quoting them would be the right way. That's exactly right. And yep. It's a perfect instinct. That's why the people who listen to this podcast are the smartest people on the Internet. The, the truth is that um, people, uh, what you're dealing with with people on a prosperity gospel, and this is true for lots of different kind of struggles that people may go through in their walk, they're on something that is uh, incorrect, it's unbiblical, it's not even really that logical, but they're so focused, they're so determined on it, they're, they're sort of bending and twisting these verses around to mean what they want them to mean. But what you're really dealing with is someone who doesn't want to see something, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't, they don't want to accept the truth of a situation. And there are no words, no magic words that you can use to say, to force them to see that thing. And it also means accepting and knowing and understanding that they know that they are not right about this, that they wow. know there's big holes in this yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, that you pointing out those holes is not going to change the nature of what it is that we're dealing with. Uh, the, so, so I think let's start from that. And I'll let these other guys kind of hammer away at some of those elements. And, and, but let's recognize that the, there, there's not a Bible verse of any kind in, in the Bible that says God wants for everyone to be financially wealthy and for everyone to be healthy at all times under mm-hmm. all circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, God did not bring that into the life of uh, the followers of Christ uh, it, it, during his ministry, uh, did not do that for the followers of Christ after their ministry at all. Uh, did not do that with Paul as he wrote uh, the epistles. Uh, and God brought a lack of wealth, a lack of health, the physical health, on all of these people, uh, challenged them and put them through tur- tough circumstances. And in fact, the Bible says, quote, in this world you will have troubles. Yeah. So uh, the idea that um, that God wants for you to have these external physical blessings uh, universally, under every circumstance, uh, it makes no logical sense, and it's not true, and it's not uh, biblical. And 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 perhaps most importantly, most tellingly in all this, is that 
Uh, there are plenty of instances. I would really urge you to reread the Gospels, in fact, to kind of get a, a better sense of all these things. Uh, but when you do, you'll find people uh, encountering Jesus and, and Jesus giving them uh, a miraculous healing when they had no faith at all whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a larger thing going on, and, and Jesus is trying to make a larger point. Uh, but there, there are times when clearly someone did not have faith, and they were healed anyway. Yeah. Um, I I despise the idea of someone saying, you are sick because you don't have faith, so it's my fault, I am to blame. And Jesus, again, addresses this. You know, People come up to him and say, here's a guy who physically has problems. Is that because his parents sinned? Is that because he sinned? You know, who's the sinner that caused this physical mm. thing to go <laughs> yeah. wrong? And Jesus said, man, you don't have, this is not that. You've got this all yeah. wrong. Yeah. So that evidence has already been in. If the people that you're dealing with have read the Gospels, they've already read that stuff. Uh, they know that they're wrong. But I, th- I think we, uh, and I'll invite these other guys to, to dig in on it, but I think we have to really look at what are the psychological underpinnings of that? What are the what what are the real reasons why those people would believe those things? You know, I think that's a fantastic point. And before we get to that, Jed, I'd love to get you to kind of uh, walk us through. So Glenn is right, and it's important to know why this isn't true. A couple of reasons: one, uh, it's a very seductive idea, as our friend points out in the question. It's it's kind of one of those as we discuss sometimes. There there are ideas that are counter biblical. You know, the Bible says a, and this is not a. Then there's an idea that. The Bible says this, and we're saying kind of that. It rings true of that, and that's how you kind of get in under the radar. It's kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. But it's important to know why that's wrong to fortify yourself against that. It's important to know why you're wrong because hopefully a person who's on something wrong is going to want to have a conversation about that at some point. Mm. But how do we kind of make peace with the idea that this is a long-term thing and I can't argue them out of this today? It's a great question. So we have a thing here with the prosperity gospel that is false teaching. It's not biblical. It's not uh, true to the gospel. It's not true to Jesus. It's wrong full stop, just so we're all clear on that. So there's not two ways to look at it. But now, how do we deal with people that are looking at her, maybe that are up in it? Well, the first thing is, we want to be clear that Christians have a super bad habit of saying, hey, what do you think of ABC? When what they really mean is, I'm super into ABC, and I want you to cheer me on and and tell Mm -hmm. me that it's great and that I'm great. They're they're not saying that to you. They're Mm -hmm. floating out. Hey, what what do you think of the prosperity Mm -hmm. gospel? Do you you have thoughts about it? What they mean is, I am super into this, and I think it's awesome, and that's what Mm -hmm. I'm on. Perhaps Mm -hmm. you should be on it, too. The The reason that matters is that we can be confused about how to respond to it. Mm-hmm, we can yeah. think that people are looking for input when they are not looking for, right. for input. And an easy way to, to tell that is to kind of look at their life. You know, I mean, somebody's like, you know, I heard about this recently and I don't really know much about it. I was watching a show and somebody mentioned it and I don't know and you know anything about it. That's one thing. Someone that's going to a prosperity gospel church and reading all the prosperity gospel books and listening to the prosperity gospel praise music, which is a real thing, um, that's not someone who's wondering about it. That's someone who's decided, I'm, I'm going to be up in this. The prosperity gospel movement not marked by its subtlety. No. Okay, so what that means is the thing that you want to communicate to them is twofold. First, I love you. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not into this thing like at all, mm-hmm. but I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved you before you're into it. I love you now that you are into it. I'm still going to love you when you've moved past it. Right. I, Cause I love you. Now at least to the second thing, let me when let me know when you're ready for something past this. Mm-hmm. Let me, you're going to burn out on this mm-hmm. when you're ready for something new. I'll be here mm-hmm. and, and we can figure that out. In the meantime, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. I, I got your back. You know, I'm on, I'm on your side. Uh, but, Here's why this matters. Sometimes people have to get dumb ideas out of their system at their own pace. Yep. Um, Say that. If you try and force a person to not believe the things that they want to believe, that that just doesn't work. Yep. Uh, Matt said it, and it's true. This is a seductive idea. We deal with a lot of people who are dirt poor, mm-hmm. who are very adamant believers in the prosperity yeah. gospel. Right. And that makes sense. Um, the idea that you could pray a special prayer or just feel things really hard, and then you're bathing in cash like Scrooge McDuck. That sounds awesome. Right. I um, really like sports cars, and I don't own one. Right. And if there was a special prayer that I could pray, and then I'd have a Ferrari California, I would think that was great. (laughs) That sounds amazing. It turns out it's not true, and that's the part that's really bad about it, is the fictional part. Yeah. All right. But I kind of have to, I have to go through that. I have to see that for myself. I, mm-hmm. I have to, mm-hmm. you know, recognize, no, this this is not it, and then be ready for something new. Yeah. The, the, the place that you always want to be in your life is you want to be the person that people turn to first when they're ready for that something new. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you want to be the name they have on speed dial when they're ready for the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And that means the following. That means first being the person they know is not going to judge them. It's not mm-hmm. going to look down on them and say, well, I told you, and I besides, you mm-hmm. shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You, they're not going to do any of that. Um, but at the same time, it's the person they respect because mm-hmm. that person was able to say to them, hey, I'm not into that. Yeah. I don't think that's it. I'm not looking down on you for being into it, but that's not my jam, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be on that. It's a crazy thing that people could not like the words you have to say but could respect you for saying them at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what earns you that spot is that person where when they're ready for something new, you're the person they call. So that all leads back yeah. to saying, hey, I get that you're into this, and, and I appreciate that. I love you. I'm not into this. I'm not going to join you on it. Mm-hmm. If this, for whatever reason, doesn't work out and you're ready for something new in your life of faith and walk with the Lord, let me know because I'd love to talk about yeah. that. Meantime, love you. Hang right. in there. Right. Well, and, it, you know, the moment that you make that decision, it'll occur to you that if and when they do come to you, the, the shortest, and it, it, it's almost effortlessly easy to say what you were believing before is God wanted to bless you physically. Yeah. What he wants to do is bless you in your emotional life and in your spiritual life. Yep. And yes, there'll be physical things with that, but that's really the the spiritual part is the is the main focus of that. That's so easy, and it's such a, sm- a smooth transition from one thing to another. It's not a big jarring mm-hmm. change in their beliefs. So you'd you'd see that in a very simple way, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's all really good stuff. And one of the things that it points to, and I'll get Lee to pick up on this, is as Jed's pointing out here, it seems counterintuitive if you've never done it, but it's not only entirely possible, but it is the best strategy to at, to communicate at the same time, I love you and I'm invested in you, and I think that thing you're on is totally a nonsense. Yeah. It's actually, you actually need to communicate both of those. You need to yep. communicate a certain amount of gentlemen in this, but... You need to communicate both of them because otherwise, um, I think people have an I- this idea of if someone's really invested in something, like people get in their kind of uh, theologies, particularly people who are on bad ones, um, then to in- to dismiss that is to be dismissive of the person. There's no other way they can read that. Right. All the people who are listening to this podcast have had conversations with people over the course of years that say, well, I sure love you. Everything you think is just incredibly wrong 
and uh, you're going to find that out at some point, but I sure love you. And sure enough, it happens in a long way. And that speaks to the kind of empathy you can have when you kind of understand that this is a long process. You can't, you can't speed up someone coming to, to understand the truth by being more aggressive yeah. right. mm-hmm. about it. And that also mm-hmm. speaks to kind of, that means empathizing, as Glenn was pointing to, and I'd love to get Lee to pick up on this, empathizing with why someone would be, would be into this and realizing right. that coming out of that is going to take longer than just one uh, one tweet's worth. And Lee, maybe mm. you can walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love how you say in, this, in, in the question, exactly as Matt's saying, like, could you address the theology behind this, please? And one of the things that we always want to understand is that people think the things that they do and they do the things that they do because this is their best guess or it's their yeah. best hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is exactly as 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 Jed's saying. If I'm if I'm poor, and somebody is saying to me, "Well, if you just say this thing, or you just have this cloth, or you just do this, whatever," then uh, then you're going to get those bills paid for, or whatever. It's like, well, gosh, I got to try that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I I I hope that that is true. And 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 as Jed's saying, that would be awesome. But to know that, like, when people are on certain things like this, it's because. Because the uh, the life of faith is a long, slow slog, where we have a lot of amazing promises, and we are also being asked to have a lot of perseverance, endurance, and tenacity. I mean, you look at the book of Hebrews. When you read the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is basically saying to people who had decided to believe in Jesus, and because of that, their life just got about a thousand times more sucky. And the dude that's writing this to these people is saying, just hang on. That's like summarizing that whole book in three words. Just hang on, whatever you do. And people get on to this prosperity gospel because, because their life sucks and because they want something to, to be like this and because they want some answers now. They want something to come true. They want this, they want this thing to be true. And so to, to be able to to know this is where this person's coming from. They're struggling with the idea that I'm just supposed to hang on to my to my faith in Jesus with some tenacity, knowing that mm. his way, it's hard for me to see why his way is a good idea. It's hard yeah. for me to see why this waiting is, is a, at all a good idea. It's hard mm. for me to see how being in the same neighborhood at the same, you know, with the same, I've got the same mom, I got the same family, I got the same sister and stuff like that, just to keep slogging through that. It's hard to see how that is good news to me when this other thing seems so awesome. This is where people are coming from. Now, when we break it down like that, it's very easy to look at that person and say, man, I just want to like pray for you and hang out with you, man. Like I I, want to be there for you. Now, when you have that kind of empathy for towards someone, then you can enter in exactly as Jed's saying, enter into their life, be the person who serves them, be the person that they're ready to call when they find out that this thing falls to pieces. And uh, but, but it starts there with realizing that, that people don't get on wacky theologies just because they're wacky people and we should just dismiss them. They get on those wacky theologies or, or whatever because they're hurting. And this is a hard thing. I mean, as we've said on the show before, it's okay for you in your prayer life to go to the Lord and say, what you're asking me to do is very difficult. You know that, right? And that's where people are. And that's why some of these things are so appealing. And so to know that about people and to have that squeeze on your heart and to love and to start to love them, that's a good place to begin with knowing how to have these conversations. Amen. 
One quick thing, you, you asked, um, you, you said, you know, that you don't want to quote the Bible at people, and that's the exact right instinct, but just w- one verse for you to have, just for you, this comes from Proverbs, this is chapter 30, I'm going to read you from the NIRV, uh, verses 7 through 9, this is the Bible, Lord, I ask you for two things, yep. don't refuse me before I die, keep lies far away from me. Don't make me either poor or rich, <laughs> but give me only the bread I need each day. Oh. Right. If you don't, I might have too much. Oh. Well. Then I might say, I don't know you. I might say, who is the Lord? Or mm. I might become poor and steal. Yeah. The witness of scripture is asking God to provide your needs and not to give you so much that you would mishandle it. Yeah. Yeah, that's all really good stuff, and I think it comes You're down to... You're supposed to say boom and then drop the mic at the end of that. <laughs> Please don't drop the mic. The mics are expensive, and we don't have a large surplus of money, so drop the mic in your spirit. Yes, spirit that's drop. Right. Spirit, spirit mic drop. Spirit drop. So uh, th- I think this all goes to... I want to pick up right on what Lee was saying towards the end there. Um, it is easy for people who um, had their theology lined out to not explore why someone would get into bad theology. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes people who don't want to explore that maybe don't want to explore the fact that they have made an idol of their own theology and have left God behind for theology, but that's really neither here nor there, because it's kind of born in the same thing as Lee's saying, as these other guys have said. If someone is dirt poor, and a lot of the guys who work up here, one of the hallmarks of their uh, kind of old life when they were caught up was poverty yep. and everything revolving around having money, as that voice as that, as that verse points to, doing... Um, unethical and immoral things due to a lack of money. Mm-hmm. The idea that part of Christian, uh, the Christian thing would be just God gives you everything you want and yep. need so you don't have to be a loser anymore and you don't have to yep. um, let people down anymore and you don't have to do bad things from anymore. It's all very appealing. And for if you come from a certain background, it's can be easy to forget that. And, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, the father of lies and all that stuff, and that's in the Bible. But the Bible also says that the devil comes disguised as an angel of light. Yeah. Nobody's on something wrong just because they want to be on something wrong. It's There's something, as Glenn pointed at the beginning, there's something in them, in their experience, that makes them somewhat susceptible to this. That's the way temptation works. That's why it's temptation. So part of walking people through this is, and it's a painful thing, and it's something we don't uh, we don't want to put on you, but it's just kind of part of the way it's, is watching them come through this piece by piece kind of on their own. You can you can be there to help, as we point out. You can you can have the answers for yourself, and if they bring up a question, you can give them a little bit here and there. You can try to show them a different path, but you can't give them that download of here's everything that's wrong with the Here are all the gaps in your thinking. I will fill them all at once. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a longer mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. and that's okay. We're going to move to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Hi there. Hello. I'm confused about the use of vision when Christians talk about it. Like there are vision teams and people mm-hmm. casting vision. Mm-hmm. And my vision is that the church should do this. Or do you have a vision for your future? What does the Bible actually say about visions and stuff like that? And how do we know if it's from the Lord or if it's just from a guy? What does all this vision language even mean? I feel like we could do an almost unending podcast on what does this weird <laughs> word church people keep using actually mean. Jed, why don't you kick us off on this one? 
Sure thing. Well, we really appreciate you writing in, and I'm really glad that you did. Uh, your walk will be far healthier for insisting on understanding what people are talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, other people's walks will be far healthier if they would adopt that same practice. This actually leads to something I'd encourage you to insist on in your life on a regular basis, which is um, to, from time to time, try to explain to yourself and other people uh, what you're thinking without using any form of lingo or Christianese mm-hmm. or uh, anything else. Just simple words that a small child can understand. Because this is the key thing, with very rare exceptions, if you can't explain something using small, non-specialized words that a child can understand, you probably don't understand it your own self. That's right. Um, there are exceptions to that, but they're, they're pretty rare. So, for example... Um, if I were to translate, the you may have heard this phrase before, the pastor cast a vision that we should make him famous in our generation for the sake of his glory. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a lot of Christian talk going on there. Um, you could say almost the exact same thing by saying, my church thinks that there are a lot of 20-somethings who are in a lot of pain, and they don't have faith in much of anything, and we'd like to help them find comfort uh, by helping them encounter God in a personal way. So that's, that's what we want to do. Those two statements say almost the same exact thing. Um, they, they're almost identical, actually. We may want to ask, then, why are the people at your church not saying the one everybody could understand? Because that, <laughs> that would be a really uh, key thing to know. Well, there's two reasons for it. The first is, to be honest, this isn't just in Christian stuff. This is almost every field you could, you could be around. A whole lot of people that talk a lot of lingo, they don't know what it means either. They're, they're just talking it. Uh, it sounds really good. I mean, if you can dig it, um, some of us on this podcast have, have, have a background in, in the technology world, and you'll hear people talking about, we just want to disrupt the paradigm. <laughs> right. um, they have no idea what those words mean. Right. You know, uh, we, we have a, sy- a synergistic disruption of the paradigm, and we feel like that's really going to, you know, that's our value add. We're right. going to be the Uber of waffles. Exactly. <laughs> Get in there and do it. We are the Uber of waffles. Mm. All right. Uh, those words all, all mean things, but not in that order and, and not right, expressed right. that way. So, so thing one that you, that you run into is there, there's a lot of people running around using lingo who just don't know what it means and they just want to sound smart. Mm. But this is the other thing that happens a lot, and this may be more of the key thing, is if we start using plain language, A, some of our desires sound less impressive. Yeah. They're, they're not as romantic anymore. Yeah. I mean, if we just say, look, um, you know, my school, there's there's a lot of kids that have really crappy lives and and they're really unhappy. And uh, Jesus has brought a lot of joy into my life. And, and I think he could probably do that for some of them. And so I'd, I'd like to I'd like to be a part of seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound quite as romantic as we just want to make him famous in this generation for the sake of the glory of his name. Right. right you know, I mean, right. you know, one you can feel the tight t-shirt as you say it and and the other is just it's plain folks and people want romance and this is the key thing there's there's nothing wrong with wanting romance that's that's right. actually important uh the romance comes on the other side of helping someone mm-hmm. if you go find that person that's hurting and help them get some comfort through knowing jesus you will have all kinds of feelings and emotions about your say christianity mm-hmm. the other thing that we get into and this is is maybe the the case for a lot of what you're seeing is when we use plain talk and it's clear what we're trying to do we run to the fact we don't know how to do it. Right. And that's a huge, huge thing for, <laughs> for folks in the church. Yeah. As long as our goal is to make him famous in this generation for the sake of the glory of his name, there's no accountability on whether or not we've accomplished that. That's right. Um, <laughs> that's right. We, we, we put on a conference. We made his name famous in that we turned up the sound system super loud. The lights right. were um, awesome, Jed. 
that it for was like a low, taste of low heaven. price of seven hundred dollars a ticket. We made him super famous because that's how much it costs to make him famous. It, it does. It turns yeah. out we've run the math. Almost no one had heard of him before that. If if famous making is co-equal with, for example, uh, there's a large immigrant community in our town, and many of of people who are who are immigrating here don't have access to um, you know enough food, so we want to set up a food drive, and then we want to get you know food connected to this immigrant community. We want to get them connected to social services and whatnot, and to our church. Well, now we either did those things or we didn't. And we don't know how to do those things, and we don't know where to start with doing those things, and now we feel bad about ourselves, and we have no romantic, special, spiritual, emotional feelings. We just feel bad because we don't know how to do things. But here's the key thing we can learn. That's right. And then we can do those things, and then we will not only have done awesome stuff, but we will have great feelings on the other side of it. And all this comes back to the fact that you are awesome because by by poking a hole and saying, what does that mean, man? Right. You drive us towards actually doing something to help people, which actually will make Jesus famous, and we will have positive feelings, and people will know Jesus, which will bring glory to his name. That's a lot of very good stuff. There's this thing going on here where uh, part of this is another part of the reason, and Jed's pointed to this here, that um, there's obvious – the part of the reason for using specialized term is obfuscation, yeah. which just big fancy word means not being clear about it. So part of what's going on here is um, – is, you know, you talk about there are vision teams. That's because planning committee does not sound awesome. Right. Mm. Vision team sounds awesome. Yeah. You'll notice that a lot of times people who send out the email, they don't say, I would like my friends to pray for me. They ask for prayer warriors. Yeah. Because right. warriors right. are awesome. That's right. Same thing with, you know, and again, some we're going on the, some of this, some people who talk about vision are crooked. They are trying mm-hmm. to manipulate you, as we talked about before on the show, by saying, this is my vision from God, therefore just get on board. So and we talked about that a lot, and that's a pretty simple dynamic to understand. That's some classic hucksterism. So what mm-hmm. we're trying to um, split hairs on here is, assuming most of this falls in the bounds of generally okay, mm-hmm. like no one's mm-hmm. casting a vision for me to give them all my money so they can have better helicopter blades, a real thing yeah. that a church pastor in the last couple of years that a word of faith church pastor mm. yeah you ain't lying about that but even or you know plant the church whatever it is let's assume it's not let's assume this is all in vaguely keeping with mainstream stuff churches do so what are the problems with this kind of communication i think jed has pointed us to but what are the benefits of it you can say my if a pastor ends up and says you know my vision of this is that the church should do this they could mean i this is all about me being famous and i'm going to put us on that and plenty of them are mm-hmm. But there could be that could be a shorthand with a bunch of people who are of a similar idea or similar mindset who kind of know what they're talking about. Say, we prayed this up and we had the council meeting and this is our idea. Yeah, a vision sounds a little better than an idea, and it implies that this didn't come from nowhere. We prayed this up, we researched it. So, Lee, as a pastor, maybe you could talk to us about because a vision is a, an important idea. You know, when you talk to people, giving them an idea of what this could look like is important. So when people say this in earnest, maybe what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. When they say it in earnest, I think what they're – a lot of times I think that people are trying to get people to buy in. I mean, I, right. you know, and, and, and not in a bad way. They're trying to say it really like, – like Jed's saying, the plain speak, when, when you just tell somebody, here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see our children's ministry develop in these ways. Um, well, that's that's really cool and everything, but if you have the meeting where you say, this is my vision, then you're saying to people, 
I super duper care about this. I think it's extremely important and I want everybody to get behind this because this is from the Lord. I do think people need to be careful with words like these because even if you're not on the just straight up, as you're saying, all the way out there, huckster thing. Even if what if even if the thing that you want is a good deal, you know, it's a this is basic normal stuff that a church should be doing. Sometimes using terminology, vocabulary like this can make people feel like, well, I can't ask questions anymore because this is from the Lord. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now that that's an important thing because I, I actually grew up in a church where people would talk all the time about. You know, um, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a word of faith church or anything like that. I mean, it was just a, you know, just a, just a, you know, a, a Southern, just like a Southern Baptist church. But this was a, the way people talked in this church was the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And, and I, and I was always super confused because I was like, I am not invited into these phone calls. Like I never get those, those meetings. Like I never get those conversations. And it made me have a lot of weird questions about my own faith. And I think that some, a lot of times pastors or leaders will use these things, even if it's a really good deal, as a way of saying, I am really serious about this, guys, and I want a lot of buy-in. Um, mm-hmm. as, as you're saying, Matt, like this didn't come out of nowhere. We prayed about this. We've planned this thing. We've looked at it from all these other angles. We've had these guys pray about it. These folks over here prayed about it. We think this is the thing. And they use that word as a way to say that we're serious about this, which for some reason saying the thing to the elder board or whatever, I'm really serious about this doesn't communicate in the same way. But I do think that we have to be careful listening to that kind of stuff, especially if I think you need to look at the kind of leaders you have. Are these leaders that serve us? Are these leaders that care about what's going on in people's lives and stuff like that? Because this can be a way to deal derail other people's um, other people's ability to give feedback, which is always an awesome thing. And anybody that is in any leadership position should always be comfortable with people having honest feedback, raising questions and saying, yeah, but how are we going to do this? Why do you feel this way about it? And stuff like that. And I think as long as you're in that context where a person can say, look, I just really want this and I'm open to your feedback and stuff like that, but I want you guys to buy in. then I think that can sometimes be where this stuff kind of rolls down. Yeah. I think that's absolutely great way to go about this. Glenn, maybe if I can get you to close this out by talking about their kind of specific, one of their specific questions towards the end here, which is mm. um, what's the difference between this kind of larger, our vision for this church, we have the vision team, and this, do you have a vision for your future? What's the difference between this yeah. kind of, I have a vision for us as a body, and because I've heard you talk to guys at the bridge one on one about, I want you to catch a vision mm-hmm. for what your future can be. And mm-hmm. What's the difference between kind of this communal vision versus a personal one? Well, one's, uh, as we're saying here, one is almost totally not entirely legit, and the other is uh is personal you know mm-hmm. right uh the idea first of all part of what's uh, here uh in this uh question is uh sort of a biblical idea or you know foundational uh, bible idea of vision and and uh, the bible does talk about vision and um and it's a very simple thing if i if i pray and i ask the lord to give me wisdom that might be Something that he speaks through to me through scripture, and that would be words. Uh, that might be something a mentor or a wise counselor would tell me, and again, that would be in words. I might uh, 
pray and ask God to give me stuff in my prayer life as I meditate on his word and whatever he might give me uh, stuff. Now, that might be kind of more in the form of an idea, mm-hmm. and it might even be in the form of a picture, if you think of it that way, just a visual representation, you know. Sometimes, uh, you know, that, that saying a, 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 a picture uh, it, 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 you know, can tell a thousand words in, with a picture, you know, that you can mm-hmm. see uh, the way something works, a structure of it that I, I can represent to you visually that would mean more to you than if I gave you a, mm-hmm. all the words. So God does that with us. We'll, we'll, we'll see sort of how things work, and we'll see connections in that. In fact, uh, uh, both in, in the biblical, original biblical languages and in English, uh, the, the word for seeing and the word for understanding all kind of run together. You mm-hmm. know, if I, if I say, I see what you mean, I mean that I understand it. It's odd that those two things are just, you know, uh, connected. So the idea of having uh, a vision uh, of the way your life needs to be, having a vision of what's really going on in this church or whatever, and using that, the visual language, uh, in my mind, ought to be, you know, we ought to be able to use that a lot and really talk about how that connects to just basic understanding, mm-hmm. right? So all that's good. Um, but what, what we're really describing is a social phenomenon, okay? Here's the problem. And, and uh, uh, the, the, what you're struggling with uh, is, is similar to a lot of the questions that we have is that you're dealing with a, a social development, a cultural development within the church that you don't understand. Yep. You, are, you don't have the long breadth of experience of the recent church history of what goes on behind the scenes in the church. You are like 99.99% of other Christians in that way, and we'd like yep. to change that in you. I, I know you'd like to kind of live your life uh, where you're sort of innocent to that and naive to that, and you don't want to know what goes on behind the curtain, and I'm super sorry for that because you asked the question, now you're getting it. Here's the thing. You go to the church, you go back about 100 years, you got churches going to be bopping around, and things get stale. So what do we do? We hire a revivalist. Mm-hmm. Revivalists traveled from one church to another, and they'd come in, and they preach with a lot of energy, a lot of passion, a lot of enthusiasm. You get everybody stirred up and roused up. Maybe that would be on a legit way, maybe not a legit way. Who knows? But you know, the, the goal would be to kind of get everybody reinvigorated and revitalized and, 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 and passionate about being in church and, and sort of almost like uh, uh, doing a retreat without going on a retreat mm-hmm. where it just, you, know, you, have a, you set up a tent and it might happen uh, uh, three or four days in a row and everyone's coming every night that week and, just, and it's, just, it's just sort of a, a jump start turning things around. Well, that started to be less and less popular. That, that became less and less of a, a thing And what replaced that is something called a church growth expert. (laughs) Now, you you may not know or have heard of or even be familiar with the concept of a church growth expert. You lucky, lucky person. (laughs) But if you are a church pastor, you receive spam email from a church growth expert 15 times a day. This is a huge part of the the suburban church uh, landscape. And... What the word vision would only be used in church post uh, the rise of the church growth expert. That's yep. a church growth expert word yep. that they're giving to you. 
all the stuff that these other fellows were talking about are marketing terms. The the casting a vision, getting a vision for the thing, and the and the prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. That those are mar- there's nothing wrong with the marketing. We're not talking about that. But what we're saying is that it, what you need to understand is this is language that where where a church growth expert has come in and said, okay, your church is dead. The reason why it is dead is that there is no discipleship. That is to say, you are not raising these people up personally yourself. You're not investing your personal time with them and 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 and, and uh, uh, duplicating yourself, reproducing yourself through them uh, and, and being invested in their lives. So there's a disconnect. So what we have to do to both make that connection and revitalize and, and revive here is to have a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's essentially what they sell as a church growth expert. We have to have a, some form of a, it, it could be it could be build a new wing on the thing. It could be uh, put in a new parking lot. It could be. It's usually one of those two. It's usually one of those two. Uh, it never somehow turns out to have something to do with the mission field generally. Uh, but uh, it's uh, you know it's often a, let's do a vacation at Bible school and we're gonna get a hundred kids in the vacation yeah. Bible school or we're gonna we're gonna get uh, five hundred new members by the end of the year or you know whatever. Uh, so it's always a, a, a sort of a numerical goal. We all we're all going to beat ourselves to death to beat that numerical uh, goal. But the the problem that we have with that is not the marketing part. It's not the church growth part. It's that none of that's ministry. Yeah, and that uh, none of that is setting up ministry. None of that is deepening, and none of that is improving the quality of what's going on there. Church growth experts are not evil. What they're saying is not evil. Uh, but what you're doing is you're dealing with and wrestling with language that seems to have a biblical meaning and a biblical import, and it actually mm-hmm. does, but it's being applied in a way that's really kind of more marketing based on a campaign that is not in and of itself ministry, and that's our, that's our hang-up. I think that's absolutely right. Big, the big part of what we're dealing with here is, as you're pointing out, is that kind of uh, disconnect between the kind of, this very specific type of, as uh, Jen Lee both pointed out, heightened language. It's heightened in a number of ways. It's and One of the ways it's heightened is it's meant to sound spiritual. Mm-hmm. That could be, right. as we said, from a legit point, that could be, as Lee's pointing out, trying to um, communicate to people, we have prayed through this, this is this is, it has a spiritual component for us. It almost always has, as Glenn's pointing out here, something to do with trying to make something that may not be entirely spiritual, like a very big, full church, sound spiritual. Um, We'll close down on this. Just one real quick thing. You point out, you know, um, what does the Bible say about this vision stuff? Uh, As Glenn pointed there, the biblical concept of a vision has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. Right. Like, that's why none of these answers really had much to do with that, Mm because the Bible uses the word vision about stuff. It has nothing to do with the way it's being written. I don't mean that good or bad. I don't mean the way it is is like a a weird runoff. I Mm -hmm. I mean, they're literally, uh, they're the same English word. They're super different. That's right. Here's how we know. In the Old Testament, it's most often used when the, uh, other than kind of the book of Revelation is all a vision, but it's often, you know, God gave a vision to Abraham. He gave a vision to Jacob. He gave a vision to this prophet, that prophet. That almost always included that person then having to do something incredibly difficult that wrecked their physical life. Yeah, right. right. That could be moving halfway across the world. That could be building a giant boat. That could be walking around naked for a year to get right. people's attention, which is a real thing from the Old Testament. Right. But if someone's saying, well, I have a vision, and it's to do this thing in a bigger, better, you know, more comfortable way, 
It's not that they're lying. It's not like that. It's just they're not talking about vision in the same way. Mm-hmm. And we'll point out for all of the history covered in the Bible, and that's thousands and thousands of years, there were like a dozen guys who got visions. Yeah. Right. And they pretty much stopped happening after Paul got one. So mm. if people are talking about, I saw the Lord and he gave me a vision, that's a totally different thing than what we're talking about on yeah, the Yeah, especially talk. if it's God gave me a vision for what you needed. Hello. Yeah. yeah. But so that's why, based all that say, that's why we didn't address it. We're, what you're talking about is a same word used for a different thing that we wanted to break down for you. All right, we're going to jump to our last question here. Came in anonymous with our Tumblr, and it says, Hey guys, could you give me some clarification on James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8? Can you ask God what to do in a situation and not know if you're going to commit to it? I just want to know what God's preferred. I just want to know what God's preferred action is, and I know that He knows what's best. But I just don't know if I will actually listen to Him because I don't have the best track record for actually obeying Him or even wanting to obey Him. You have written into the right podcast, friend. Uh-huh. And Ali, can you start us off on this one? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, as far as James one five through eight, um, I'm sure that these guys can get into kind of the Greek stuff that's going on there and everything. But but before we get into all that specific stuff about the scriptures, let's just talk about prayer for a second. And why, what is prayer? Why do we pray? What What is the point of this thing? And, you know, you're saying, I want to know what God, what God wants me to do. I don't know if I'm going to listen to it or not. And uh, I don't have the greatest track record with obeying. Well, first of all, you're in the right place. Uh, we know exactly how that feels. We want God's advice. And at the same time, uh, I, I know I speak for me, probably for the rest of these guys too. There's been a million times that we have not listened to him and have not wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I think when we look at prayer specifically, when we get to a, like w- when you ask almighty God to give you advice on something or to tell you which way is up on a thing, one of the things that we need to realize is the reason that we're going to him is because we don't know. Um, this is this is what the function of prayer is, is I'm going to someone who knows being a person who doesn't. This isn't just like, I'm just talking, you know, like a lot of times you'll just hear people say like, well, prayer is just like, you're just hanging out with God. And I'm, yeah, I, you know, you can do that. You can just talk to God about what's going on in your day and all that kind of stuff. But the specific type of prayer that you're talking about is coming from a person who says, who's gotten to a place where they're saying, I don't know what this needs to be. So just as a, an example that's kind of not about the spiritual life and about obedience and you know temptation and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of look at it from a different angle. Recently, I got um, my, my uh, for my birthday, I got some new like exercise equipment. Um, and my, and I was over at my dad's house when I, when I got, you know, opened up this equipment or whatever. And my dad knows a lot about how to use this equipment. And so I, before I left there, I was like, all right, I want you to break this down for me. I want you to show me how to do this. I want you to tell me exactly what to do. And then I'm going to try to do it your way. And I want you to watch me. And then I want you to give me feedback on it, whether or not I'm doing it well. Because here's the deal. If I don't do this right, I'm going to hurt myself. Yep. Now, and the thing was, is that I, I got to tell you, I have, you know, I, I have worked out for a long time ever since I was in kind of ever since I started high school or whatever, and I've lone wolfed it a lot in the mm. weight room and stuff like that. And uh, about four or five months ago, I was doing something in the weight room, and uh, and and some of these guys may know what this feels like, but I got stuck under a bar, mm. and I had to somehow get out from underneath that bar. And my left speaking shoulder, of a prayer life, 
Yeah. And my, my left shoulder has not been the same since. Like it has hurt. It hurts every day when I wake up in the morning kind of deal. And so I'm looking at this thing and it's like, I want to use this different kind of workout deal, but I'm asking you who you're an expert because yeah. I, I am tired of getting hurt doing my own thing in the weight room. And, and I think, you know, we can all relate to the fact that we don't have a great track record obeying. And we can all relate to the fact that sometimes we just don't want to do God's way. But I think one thing that what James is talking about, without kind of digging too deep into the, the Greek stuff, which I know that some of these other brothers can do, one of the things that James is kind of talking about is there comes a point in your life when you realize, I'm going to hurt myself if I do this my own way anymore. And I need some help seeing this a different way around. You're the expert. You made me. You made this world. You made my heart. And so I want you to tell me what it's going to be. And I've gotten to the place where I'm ready to do whatever that needs to be. That's all really a great introduction. I'll, uh, before I transfer to these other guys, I'll do the, uh, I'm going to read the verse and we'll, I'll pitch a little bit of the Greek stuff that I think uh, Glenn and Jed can build on here. So this is uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8 in the NIV. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay, so I imagine, if you're like me, the sticking point here is when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Mm -hmm. I don't do so well with not doubting. So I think doubt is our stick word there. So if we go to the the Greek for that, we find that the word that is translated doubt in uh, the verse here has more layers to it in Greek than the English word does. What it means is the literal translation of it is to separate out thoroughly, to judge, distinguish, or decide. So when you take that back to the verse, I think we can see a lot more what's going on. So James isn't saying if you feel or have doubts, it will uh, worry you up there. He's saying that, and also it's important to point out, he doesn't say someone who has doubts should not expect the Lord to say anything to them. He said, you shouldn't expect to receive anything. Yeah. So I think what we're getting to here is this idea of, which we've all, as Lee's pointed out, we've all gone to the Lord this way and said, all right, Lord, what should I do about this? And then we start our own evaluation process yeah. of what we're getting back. And that really gets in the way of your prayer life, of hearing from the Lord, because you kind of you kind of prejudging those things. Jed, I, I'd love to get you to kind of break down for us. What's the difference between a healthy wrestling with something God wants us to do and this kind of um, take it, taking some and leaving some and kind of dividing pieces out that James warns us against? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, that's a very insightful question. Um, I think the difference is whether or not we're finishing the conversation. Mm. Um, I think that's what it boils down to. Let's talk about a less mystical uh, situation for a moment. Um, If you have, this is certainly true in romantic relationships, although I think it's, it's as true in very close friendships. Um, You're going to have a person come to you with an idea that sounds completely insane. Um, Certainly if you're, if you're married, I'll put this on me. I have gone to my wife many times with something where I've needed to preface by saying, I know this sounds crazy. Yes. Um, I, I recognize I'm almost certain I'm wrong. I know it sounds crazy, but I need to tell you X, Y, and Z. Yes. I, I need to talk this out. I need to get this out of my head. That's more times than I can count. I've literally said exactly that to my wife. There you go. 
because my wife loves me, because Jane's, uh, because Glenn's wife loves him, what they've said in that moment is, okay, let's have the conversation. Right. Tell, mm-hmm. tell me the whole thing. Tell me, tell me everything. What would be a problem would be if I got five minutes in, I said, well, I think this and this got, but besides, and then over here, and this will work like this. And I said, okay, I'm done listening now. Well, that would not work. Um, a, it would be super disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but but the key thing is it, it wouldn't work it would be dysfunctional we haven't had a conversation you know you you didn't you didn't hear me out you, you heard you know you listened ostensibly to three minutes of of i i, I wasn't even through the windup yet you know um and you know that you wouldn't do that to someone if someone said man i need to talk i need to get this off my chest i need to get it out you would you would finish the conversation you would you would listen to them until they had said their piece and part of what you'd be trying to do is hear what are they really trying to say not just what are the words that they're using but what's the thing behind the words what are they trying to communicate what does this reveal about their heart and their character that they're trying to express okay take that and apply it back to god for a second god does not have a problem with you wrestling with the things that he's telling you that's that's fine that's normal when you look at the bible great men and women of god have always wrestled with what god is telling them they've they've all round one was always god that sounds like a terrible idea i hate that idea i don't want to do that that's always round one beware the person and jesus told a story about this beware the person who says i have heard your bidding O lord and it is my pleasure and honor so to do for the sake of thy glory Uh, not to interrupt you but how many times did the Lord say something he knows sounds crazy? Yeah. And that's the opening line of that's that we're gonna find out if we're having an honest conversation right here, right now. No, it's the right answer is that sounds crazy, Lord. There you go. Now we're having a conversation. You know your son Isaac? Listen to the next part. Yeah. Right. Dude, no doubt. In right. fact, my one of my favorite verses verses in the Bible. This is Moses, and you, you're probably familiar with the story of the burning bush. So, so Moses is is tending goats on a mountaintop. God needs to get his attention, so he has a vision, and there's mm-hmm. a burning bush, and it's it's a whole thing. Um, but there's a moment God and, and Moses are talking back and forth, and it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Moses says, "God sends someone else." <laughs> Yeah. That is the way righteous people talk to God. Right. They low, wrestle. He said it to the Lord. I don't want to. I, I I'm wanna. not. I'm not feeling it. But what was righteous about Moses? What was righteous about Abraham? What was righteous about David? And what can be righteous about you is they were committed to finishing that conversation. Yeah. They were committed to talking it all the way through with God. It started with God. That's a crazy idea, and I hate it. But that's not where it ended. They were prepared to wrestle with God in the same way that Jacob wrestled with the angel. God, the the thing that God is looking for from you is that you would wrestle with what he tells you, that you would think about it, that you would meditate on it, that you would see what about it sounds crazy to you. And you would ask, why does that sound crazy? And do I need to see that as crazy? Do I have a point? And that you'd go back and forth with him. If you're willing to do that, man, that's as righteous as it gets. And if you're willing to do that, you'll see what God is trying to show you, and you'll get his point and his perspective, and you'll probably find yourself willing to take the first step on it, which is which is the part that matters. Where we get in trouble is when we either say, oh, yes, Lord, of course I will do thy bidding, which no one feels that way. I mean, no one anywhere feels that way. Or where we listen to the very first thing God has to say and go, pass, and move on with our lives. God, God is looking for wrestlers, and I believe you have it in you to be a wrestler. 
God is Looking for Wrestlers is also the title of a very niche Christian living book, but it does pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, uh, I think that's all really good stuff. I think we're getting to uh, kind of an important point here, which I think the assumption when people, and I know when I've come to this verse 4, is exactly what Jed's saying there, with less Monty Python voice maybe, but what God is looking for, what (laughs) coming to God without doubting means is, Lord, I'm going to ask you what to do about the situation, and before I hear your thing, I will promise you that I'm going to do it. Yeah. An act of faith. It's yeah. really not what we're talking about here. That's not what not doubting means. So, Glenn, right. maybe you can close this out by walking us through what does it actually mean to go to the Lord without letting your doubts get in the way of hearing? We don't have to worry about doing yeah. it. Right. That's hearing. right. That's right. It, it, not, there's a number of things in here that, that, that really we need to bring it back to reality. And along the lines of what you're asking me about here, I, I think the word that we get wound up on here is must. Yeah. yeah. You, that you must not have faith you must have uh you must not have doubts you must have faith um that's actually not in the actual actual language of the 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 old testament it's just saying uh it it it, it's saying if you come and if you're asking for wisdom and there's not a uh you're you're in a position where there's an utter unwillingness to do it the wisdom that you receive is not going to make a difference because we're not willing to, you know, do anything with that. So what does that leave us with? And I think Jed gave us a, a great way of, of, of looking at that. Uh, and I, I also want to zoom on this, in on this word, a double, double-minded, you know, tossed like waves on the season of the ideas. This person is a double-minded man. And it's 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 a negative term that he's using for sure. It's saying this is it's bad to be double minded. Yes, but I I think it's important for us to recognize what the what the what the two halves of that are. Mm-hmm. One is I want to do the right thing because I love Jesus and he's cool and he's he knows everything and he's never wrong. So part of me wants to do just that. go with that. Only part, a small part, but part of me wants to go with that. The other part of me wants to do something I know is stupid, but I really, 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 really want to do it on an emotional level and rationalizing to try and make it smart, but deep down I know it's stupid. That's my double-minded. Yeah. Just by me laying that out, you can see, uh, and if you lay out which how that works in, in your situation... You could see again with a with a, the kind of honesty that Jed is talking about, the sense of part of me just wants to do something stupid on an emotional level. Part of me wants to obey God, and both parts of that are one part is very understandable, and forgivable and human, mm-hmm. and the other part is actually virtuous and good. Yeah. So w- this is not something's wrong with you, and that's why you keep screwing up. That's Amen. not what this verse is saying at all. Uh, as 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 Matt points out, this word for doubting really kind of means this idea of I'm still kind of midway through judging what this is and what it means. You know, this idea of I well, as as as, as Matt was saying, you know, I'm I'm still kind of hashing it. I'm still splitting hairs with it. I'm still, and you know, we do that. God says, well, you know, the you know, the, I want you to go forth and 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 do X. 
or we think he wants us to go forth and do X, and we say, ah, you know what? If I, but if that happened, then what if this? And then, then that would lead to that, and I'm really worried about that. You know, and I'm constructing a whole world. I'm thinking it through for God. Now. Yeah. I'm helping God figure this out. You yeah, know. there's a lot of ends you probably haven't looked at. That's right. <laughs> Let me go over the details with you, Lord, because I'm not sure this is a great plan. Again, if you would just say these things out loud, You'd be able to get over them, you know. That's that's part. I of like it. to believe I'm on God's vision team. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, here here's the three basic realities: a nobody wants to obey God. Preach, nobody. Hello. What is wrong with you Christians out there in the world? None of you want to inherently obey God. You want to do what you want to do, and you want to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you want God to sign off on your plan. That's what the and he That's wants to right. smooth it. You want him to smooth it over when it doesn't work out, or whatever. And that and and I'm the same way. Everybody in this podcast is the same way. We obey God reluctantly as a last resort and poorly and poorly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get that straight. That's true for everybody. You're not in a special category off of that. Uh, second, you have to know what it is that you want in order to set it aside. Yes. You know, if you're still, re- that's what this verse is trying to tell you. If you're still wrestling, wrestling, wrestling in, in the nuts and the bolts and the mania, and you're still partway through judging what you think is the situation, then you aren't ready to set that aside and say, okay, this is what I think, Lord, what do you, what do you have to say? And that's, that's exactly what this verse is trying to say. So if anything, get into those doubts, work them out, make it more explicit, get out a piece of paper, start writing yep. this stuff down. Yep. Here's I, I you know here's the pros and cons. Here's whatever whatever. Right, put it all on a piece of paper. And get that formalized and, and, and encapsulated so that you can then give that up to the Lord. And and finally, I think this is really important. I I get a lot of people telling me I'm worried that God would tell me to do X. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to ask. Yep. Bad idea things. <laughs> wow, you found a loophole, champ. <laughs> here's the thing. First of all. If you don't ask, you are 100% in noncompliance. Yes. If you Whatever ask- does not come from faith. For example, this. Yeah, exactly right. If you ask and only do a very tiny bit and fail at 99%, you are way better off than the person who's not asking. Yeah. So that's, you know, let's, let's, we can say that much. But um, I, I talk to a lot of people who say, I'm afraid God would tell me to do X. And from their situation, from their circumstance, from the setup, from everything they've described, I can tell there's a 99% chance that God would never ask them to do that thing. But they're so afraid of it, they won't let God tell them to do something that would give them comfort, that would get, yep. that would be a good fit for them, whatever. They're, they're running and hiding uh, under the rock because they, 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 they want to reject themselves away from God before God yep. comes in and rejects them away. Wow. Uh, that we can't we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Go before God and say I don't wanna. Yeah. Tell me though, just tell me. I'm not gonna want it because I don't have faith that you'll back me up in it. But tell me, and then I'll re- and then I'll tell you what I think. And my idea would be stupid, but if you could be patient and listen to me, it would really help me. And I'm gonna tell you my thing, and we'll see. I think God would love to hear that. Yep. The idea of I'm going to run away and not have the conversation, that's the worst possible outcome we could have from the situation. 
That's all a lot of great stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Or tell you the song this week this is a song by Lee. It's called The Shores. It was adapted from the works of D.L. Moody. It's a fantastic song. It's from our May Bridge Box. So we're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, all hail our new Beyonce and overlords and their science, which is fierce. Were you the first to land a ship on the shores of America? You would have found a mighty land. And though in truth could claim discovery and pride your name, the mysteries would be more vast. You would not know the majesty of redwoods or Lake Ontario. ourselves within